Hello, and welcome to the Busy Bays Podcast, where we provide valuable insight and advice on marketing and other business challenges that auto repair shops encounter as they work toward achieving their goals. This podcast is brought to you by Repair Shop Website. Welcome to the Busy Bays Podcast. I'm Martin Morgan with Repair Shop Websites, and today we have a very special guest that we're super excited to have on the podcast. That's Chris Lawson, the founder of Technician Find. Chris, welcome to the Busy Bays Podcast. Hey, it's great to be here, Martin. We are so excited to have you uh, on the podcast. We've certainly heard Heard you on a, a few other podcasts. I, I think you've probably been on a bunch more. And part of that's because you have such a, a great perspective uh, when it comes to one of those big issues as far as, as recruiting techs. And uh, I, I know you've always done just a great job as far as sharing some of the, the insights that you have on, on that humongous issue. Um, and so we appreciate you, you coming on today. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's good to be here. All right. And like we uh, said, recruiting techs is and has been a big issue for the industry for some time. You've been working with your firm to help solve that issue, Chris. What compelled you to do so? Well, you know, it was an interesting story. You know, as you look back on your life, I think we always have interesting stories, right? Um, It was funny. I was talking with a technician the other day and he said, "Uh, when did you decide you wanted to do what you are doing now? And I said, well, what I'm doing now didn't exist when I was in college. Uh, So, you know, your your story is it kind of winds its own way through. But um, I actually I was a um, a recovering financial planner. That's what I like to say that I was. I was in the financial services industry for 25 years. And towards the end of that career, I decided I wanted to leave the big firms because it just wasn't working out for me. Um, The compliance was a a nightmare and they were asking me to do a bunch of things I didn't really want to do. So I um, started my own boutique financial planning practice. And right away, I realized that there was a lot of clout that these big financial behemoths put behind marketing that I had to do myself now. So um, I became an early adopter of a lot of the platforms like Facebook and and, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, I started uh, getting a lot of traction by doing that, finding clients by using the platforms. And then, um, what I ended up doing was, uh, so many people were asking me how to do what I did. My side hustle kind of took over and I sold my planning practice and started a a social media company in 2012. So fast forward to 2017, I was asked to do a social media presentation for 10 auto repair shop owners in Burbank, California. And uh, ended up getting just about the whole room as clients over the next six months. And it changed the trajectory of what I was doing. So we found out pretty quickly that the number one problem that all of these shop owners had was really finding technicians. It was finding good talent. So we directed our energies, our direct copywriting skills, our social media marketing skills, our lead generation skills. We all directed that towards finding technicians. And that's what turned into what is now Technician Find. And uh, we've been doing this for just over five years now. I love that story too, Chris, how the side hustle becomes the the main hustle, but then it becomes even something completely different than what you had originally thought that was going to be. Yeah, um, that, that must have just been really interesting. <laughs> you know, you just, uh, I think it was uh, Steve Jobs that says you can't connect the, jo- the, the dots in advance. You have to ke- connect the dots in reverse. And that's exactly what it was for me, too. I, I could never have planned what, what ended up happening. So it, it's interesting, and it's been a great ride. 
And I know you've done a lot of research into the efforts of auto repair shops to recruit techs. So let's talk about some of, of your findings. Uh, first, what have you found out about the effectiveness of the typical technician recruiting ads? Um, that's uh, how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we, it's an unlimited podcast. We really have as long as we want. <laughs> I just I, I joke um, because I, you know, if you really want to look at the effectiveness of an ad, all you have to do is go to a platform like Indeed, type in automotive technician and take a look at the first two, one or two or three pages of ads. And you'll notice something right away. You'll notice they look all exactly the same. Uh, the headlines are the same. The body copy is the same. The qualifications, requirements are the same. The only thing that you have to really differentiate yourself is maybe the benefits and maybe the salaries, but the salaries are pretty much the same. So that's the first thing. Um, the ads are bland. They're bland and um, they don't speak to what they need to uh, address in order to attract technicians. And what I always tell everyone when we start working together is I say, here's what we're going to do. We are going to find out what makes you unique. We're going to find out what the culture is. And ideally, you want to have a good fit between whoever you bring on board, because, you know, what's the point? Even if they have the skills, if they don't have a culture fit, they're going to be a bad apple and it's going to just uh, it's going to poison the, 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 the entire environment. So your ads and I'm a big fan of Donald Miller and his story brand framework. And he talks about it. What you're doing is you're inviting the technician into a story where they are the hero and you are the guide and you are talking about the transformation that they can experience when they come to work for you. And if you can communicate that in an ad, you set yourself apart from anything else that people see and that's what attracts technicians and that's also what uh, gets them to apply and it gets them to reach out and then you can have conversations. Within there, uh, Chris, you mentioned that you often will talk to the the probably the shop owner, whoever might be um, doing that. May, larger, yes. may, they might have an HR type person there. Yeah. How often are they able to really explain or tell what makes them special in relation to their competition for these uh, qualified people? That's that's a great question. Um, you know, I always ask. We have onboarding, so we do a sixty-minute onboarding when we work with a new shop. And one of the questions I ask them is, "What would you? Why would someone drive by three other shops in order to bring their vehicle to you?" You know, and and I heard that from a shop owner. I didn't invent that. I heard that from a shop owner a couple of years back, and I loved it because that really gets you thinking about, okay, what does make us different, and you know, it boils down to culture and we, we've heard so much about culture and, you know, culture, this culture, that, and what I find is that shops really fall into three different categories when it comes to culture. One is they don't know what culture is and they don't understand, you know, what that means. And I always remind them, you have a culture, <laughs> you haven't identified it yet, but you do have a culture. You know, if you've got a building and you've got employees and you're doing work for customers, you have a culture. So we try to tease that out in the onboarding call. The second category are shops that say, um, you know what, we know where our culture is. We know what the vibe is, but I, I couldn't really communicate that to a technician coming in or, or somebody that's coming in as an employee. And then we, you know, we help them tease that out as well. And then there's the third category, which is the smallest category, where they really know what their culture is. They've taken time to do it. They have a mission, vision, values, and then they also have their why. And by the way, your mission, vision, and values isn't always enough. 
because the mission, vision, and values typically is dry. You have to have the why because the why is what what brings people into the story. It brings employees into the story. It shows them why their position is important to the overall mission of the company and the overall mission of the the store and the shop. So when you have those things in place, and that's you know the smallest category, when you have all those things in place, now you really know how to communicate that and how to find a good fit, someone that's going to fit into that category or fit into your, your environment and thrive there. And that's really the point. And I love the focus on culture, Chris, and I, I've definitely heard you talk about that for, before and, and agree that's so important. Um, you mentioned the importance of having the why as one of the, the key things to help from a cultural standpoint. Um, what are the other things that you might say a shop could do culture-wise to make it more appealing for candidates? I think the mindset, you know, I love to start with mindset because if you've got the mindset right, then you can make a lot of mistakes and still get the result. Uh, and the mindset here is we want our employees' lives to work inside and outside of the shop. So when a lot of the questions, you know, we have different series of questions that we ask in the onboarding. And one of the series of questions goes down, okay, well, what are you doing for your employees to make sure that their lives work outside of the shop? Um, are you, you know, do you offer four 10-hour uh, shifts? Are you flexible in terms of uh, family emergencies? Um, are you doing things like... Uh, group outings, team outings, bowling, barbecues, you know, rafting trips, things like that. Are you um, bringing in outside um, vendors to talk to them about their finances? Are you doing things like Dave Ramsey's Smart Dollar Program? Are you doing things that that um, really help their lives work? I mean, I've worked with shops where, where they'll actually help if somebody's having marital problems, they will give them access to counseling, um, you know, marital counseling so that they, you know, they're not bringing their, their home problems into the shop. Um, there's lots of things that you can do in addition to just regular skills training in order to demonstrate that. And when you can demonstrate that, it's, you know, it's one thing just to say that you take care of your employees. But if you don't give specific examples, then everybody goes, yeah, right. Everybody says the same thing. and you know, that's just not, um, and then it just, it just turns into noise. So you want to give specific examples on how you make their, how you help them to make their life work. And and those are, are great examples, Chris, and thanks for sharing those. Cause as you think about high performing shops, especially those that have a good culture and are able to attract the uh, top talent, I would think that those are some significant elements that would help them in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, top people want to grow and top people want to be part of something special. And, you know, particularly if you are recruiting younger uh, employees, uh, younger employees aren't motivated the same way that we are. If you haven't noticed that yet, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I say we, because I'm Gen X and, and Gen X is okay. I, you know, it's my boss tells me what my job is. I go in, I sit down, I do my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, Gen X and, as well. I relate to that. Chris. Yeah, yeah, there uh, you so, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to call out any specific generations, but I mean, you may know that um, there are other uh, groups that just don't respond the same way. They don't respond the same way to pay. They don't respond the same way to job uh, 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 responsibilities and qualifications and those types of things. And But everybody responds to, hey, we've got a mission here. 
We're doing some really good work. We're providing safe and reliable vehicles for people. We are taking care of people. And here's how your the individual piece that you work on on a day-to-day basis, this is how this contributes to the mission. And we also have a lot of shops we work with with do things in the community. I mean, there's a lot of there are a lot of people who get really charged up when they get to take a day off a quarter and go do something out in the community. And then they take pictures and they bring them in. And then you can share that on social media. And it says, hey, look, we're doing things for the community. And it helps the employees. And it also helps um, the community overall and and shows how well you take care of your uh, community and your employees. That and that's another uh, another great one. Um, and when we were we were talking about advertising, one of the things that you mentioned there, Chris, was to help kind of paint a picture for somebody what what it could look like if they came on board and they were working with the shop or um, in that specific role. Um, that being one excellent thing to do. Are there other things that you think are helpful from a from an ad standpoint, or maybe expound on? how to make that even more real to somebody who's looking at it as an ad. Sure, sure. I think the main thing about ads is um, you have to have a framework and a structure to the ads. And the the mindset of the ads is, I again, we want to bring someone into a, a, a uh, an environment where they can experience a transformation. And that's really what we're talking about. So everybody has pain points. And, you know, one of the things that happens a lot is, um, you know, when I first talk and start talking with a, um, you know, a GM or a store manager or an owner, um, they'll say, you know what, I can't get people to return my calls. I can't get them to return my emails and things like that. And I say, well, that's because you didn't make the connection on the front end. And the way that you make the connection is you identify with the pain. So that's, you know, basic marketing. So you want to identify with the pain. You want to identify with the pain in your ads. And then when you have that first conversation with them, you want to really isolate what that pain is. What's the pain they're having right now? Did they get dressed down in the bay in front of all their colleagues and they just don't want to be in an environment like that? You know, when they, you know, had a comeback, did they, um, you know, are they tired of working until, you know, six or seven at night and working on the weekends? I mean, what's the pain? What's the main pain? And then if you're, shop can solve that pain, then now you've got a basis for a match. You've got a basis for a conversation and your ads kind of draw them into uh, a conversation where they raise their hand and say, you know what, this may be a different opportunity for me. So um, I would tell you um, the way that we write ads is we have um, five different parts of the ads. And the first thing is your headline. You always have to have a strong headline that promises a benefit and gets uh, folks to click. You always need to start with that. Then you have an introduction. The introduction, basically what happens when somebody clicks on an ad is they're always always hovering over the back button or they're they're always ready to swipe back. You know, they're like, yeah, let me take a look at this. I'm curious, but I don't know, you know, are they going to be, you know, jokers? Is this going to be something that I've seen before? So you always want to address the pain right there in the introduction. Just the first couple of sentences address the pain. Hey, are you experiencing this pain? Do you feel like you are a number? And, you know, in a, you know, do you feel like you're just a cog in a machine and you're just being ground down every year? Uh, and then from the introduction, you get into the actual body copy of the ad. 
the body copy should be loaded with benefits. This is not where you say we have a tradition of excellence and we've gotten all these awards and and you know um, you know my great pappy my great grandpappy started the you know the shop in you know nineteen you know thirty six you know whatever it's those this isn't where you put those things this is where you say where you demonstrate what a day in the life of your employees looks like what are the benefits to them how are you different why is it um why are they going to be able to come and work with you and fit in with the team and uh, experience a transformation in their life so that's where you talk about those things and then you want to talk about the um your your clothes and your call to action you want to remove the friction make it easy for them to reach out to you make it easy for them to start the conversation you have to understand something about these um about a good technician if a technician is good and they want to work they're working right now <laughs> yep <laughs> right absolutely so they're not trolling job boards they're not you know on you know indeed or or zip recruiter or anything like that typically so they probably don't have an up-to-date resume so if you require a resume right off the bat you're going to lose a bunch of people because they're going to think oh yeah well i'll put together my resume sometime and, and believe me nobody likes putting together a resume so <laughs> you don't want to you want to remove that friction um the other thing is they may just have questions if you write an ad that looks really good they're going to be skeptical so they may have some questions so make it easy for them just to raise their hand and start a conversation with you and that's where you find out what their pain points are and you match up what you offer with their pain points and that's how you get them in that's how you get them to keep their appointments that's how you get them to return your calls because now you're just not one of three or four shops that's been you know hounding them and saying hey when are you going to come over here when are you going to come over here when are you going to come over here now you're somebody who took the time to figure out what their pain points are what their problems are and and give them a solution that will measurably improve the quality of their life and i i, I love uh throughout that as you described it, Chris, the, the focus on the candidate, not on the shop, right? Yes. Just continuously focusing on all of the messaging being about the specific candidate so they can see themselves there versus, and I think you described it in what is often wrong, is almost just like the show up and throw up approach of here <laughs> are these five, six, 10 things about our shop, including you know how long ago it was created. Um, <laughs> But I right. love that focus on the 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 job the candidates and and as a way to try to attract people. And but how hard is it to really communicate the importance of that to the average auto repair shop? Really, you know, it's a really easy way. And 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 I want to mention one other thing. I only gave you four, and the five is you want to make your ads um, scannable. So um, people are on their phones. You can you can go on your phones and you uh, you can actually go to Indeed and you can run a report. And this is to your point, to your question, um, you can run a report and you can find out a lot of information about the positions. One of the things you can see is how many people access Indeed from their phone. And we see, you know, upwards of 80 percent of the people access Indeed from their phones. Wow. So if you write an ad and our ads are long, they're very long. People go, Chris, this ad is so long. Why is this ad so long? And, and I say, well, we write it in a specific way that it's scannable. So you use bold, you use all caps in certain areas, not a ton, but you use it, you use bullet points, you use these types of things, you have short paragraphs, you make it so you can scan it. Because the reality is, 
none of us reads anything right all the way through the first time. We scan it, we see if it's going to make sense. And then if it, if it applies to us and it passes the, you know, the, you know, the smell test, the sniff test, then we go back and start, and then we go through and read it. So what I would say about um, the competitiveness, uh, just go to Indeed. Indeed has a tool and it's free. You just go in, it's their analytics, it's hiring insights, and it's right from your Indeed job dashboard. And you can do a search. So you can type in automotive technician and then your city, and it will give you all of the statistics about that position within a 25 mile radius of your shop. So a wealth of information. It'll show you trends. It'll show me you how many shops are competing against you, how many have applications out there, or how many have jobs out there. It'll show you how many technicians there are in the area, how many searches have happened. It'll show you the the um, uh, average salaries for the position. It shows you even all the top uh, shops that are getting clicks. It'll show you the keywords that people are searching for. It's just a wealth of information. And to your point, to see how how competitive it is, they actually have a ranking from one to one hundred of how competitive that position is in that area, and very often we see a, a one hundred on a scale wow. of one to one hundred for automotive technicians. So that's a, a really easy way to see what your competition looks like in the local area and how you're doing in terms of uh, the salary that you're offering. Wow, and as you mentioned that a well written job description or a job ad, Chris, it made me think of like a well, a well-written web page. It's kind of the same thing. If, if you follow, you follow those specific things where you've got the headers and the titles and you've got those all described, it does make it a much more scannable for everybody. And then you can always go back and, and visit it. Um, similarly, Absolutely. as, as you described that indeed report, it makes me think of keyword research and how competitive different keywords are. It's kind of similar, but Man, a 100. I mean, what what do you do in those circumstances where it's like it is just a, a bloody ocean of competitors? Um, I know you described the the really well as far as ads and, and other things you can do um, as far as how you write those and help people see a, a better future. Uh, are, are there other things that you recommend or other things that you guys do, especially in those situations where it is so competitive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really boils down to three things. You have to have the um, you have to have a good ad. You really do, because if you've got a sea of red like that, you have to stand out. So, you, you, you know, above all else, you have to stand out. Um, number two is you've got to um, you've got to be seen. So I, I always think of uh, when I think of being seen, I think of um, uh, Susan Boyle with Britain's Got Talent. Remember Susan Boyle back in 2009? Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Took me a minute to remember the name, but now I, I do. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I always think about her and it's funny because, you know, she walks up on stage and Simon Cowell's like, you know, oh, my God, another one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she opens her mouth and it's just, you know, just amazing, you know. And it's funny because, um, you know, America's or Britain's Got Talent did not train her how to sing. You know, she knew how to sing before, but she wasn't famous. So what made her famous? what made her famous was the platform. Now tens of millions of people got to witness her talent. So if you've got an ad that's a really good ad, but not enough people, not enough of the right people are seeing it, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's, it's shouting into, you know, an empty cave. It's, it's, it's not going to do anything for you. So you have to have lots and lots of people viewing those ads, sharing those ads, 
tagging people. That's why we use social media because, you know, the Fortune 500 companies have figured out this out a long time ago. They've been using social media for recruiting for, you know, gosh, over a decade. But uh, small businesses are just starting to figure this out. And they figured it out because one, like we've already talked about, people that are good are already working. And if you're trying, and, and two, if you're trying to get the same reach on a job platform and you're paying for reach on a job platform, it's much, much more expensive to get the same number of eyeballs on your ads if you're paying a, a job board than if you're just paying on social media. And you don't even get the benefit of sharing and liking and tagging and all of those things that happen when you're on social media. So that's really the big, big um, issue that uh, that uh, shop owners and managers need to understand. And and along those lines, Chris, how how frequently are you finding shops do understand and and how well are they doing as far as getting the word out to those people that really need to see it or just expanding it? So maybe the people that know the people who need to see it can share that with them. Very, very rarely. I mean, very rarely. It, it's, um, you know, it, it's funny when I, when I sit down with, um, when we're on an onboarding call and I describe the process and I describe how many people are going to see these ads, their jaw drops. They, they can't believe it. They say, you know, Chris, I don't, I don't believe it, but, um, tens of thousands of people see the ads that we put out. We run anywhere from 48 to 72 ads at a time. And we're split testing everything. We're split testing images, body copy, calls to action, um, you know, the uh, headlines. We're split testing all these things and lots and lots of people see these. And that's what has to happen because you may not get in front of an actual technician, but if you are showing the ad to enough people, you may get in front of a technician's spouse who's sick of having them come home at night and complain about the shop. And it's like, honey, you need to see this. You know, you oh, may, yeah. you may get in front of somebody's buddy that, you know, they're sitting there at the ball game and uh, you know, his buddy goes, you know what? I just saw something. You need to see this. I'm going to tag you on this because I'm sick of hearing you complain about all the things <laughs> that are going on. You need to take a look at this. You'll have neighbors, you'll have all kinds of things happen when enough people see the ads. So that's the big, um, that's, that's a big issue. And, and that's really what needs to be handled. But, you know, I got to tell you, I always ask the question in the onboarding. I always say, okay, um, first thing I ask is, okay, well, um, uh, tell me about your ads. Did you get a template? And it is almost always, I, I would say 99 times out of a hundred it's yeah, I got a template. And then I, you know, my coach gave me a template or I got it from a 20 group and, and, uh, or I got it offline. And I made a couple of changes and I'm using the template. I say, okay, well, there's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is uh, I say, how many people are seeing your ads? And, and nobody can tell me, you know, they, they don't know. So you have to monitor those things. Just like everybody's got KPIs for their shop. Everybody's got KPIs for their business. We have KPIs too. You have to know how many people are seeing the ads, how many people are clicking on the ads, how many after they you know, land on the page for your applicant tracking system, how many people are applying. You have to know all these numbers. And then you have to know what's the percentage of, of decent qualified applicants per the total number of people who have applied, because not every single person that applies is going to be qualified. So you have to know all these numbers and you have to be able to manage this, this process. And that's the way, that's the most effective way to manage a hiring campaign. And 
you know, I have not spoken yet with anyone who really has that, um, any shop that's really had that dialed in all those specific components. Well, and I, it's so impressive, the different levels that you were talking about, Chris, as far as your testing and making sure that you're making adjustments based on success and what you're seeing from a data standpoint, as you explain that to a, a, a typical shop, is it something that they that you really have to work hard to explain or they kind of just say, okay, I'm not sure what all this is, but if you're telling me I need to do this, then let's go ahead and do it type of a thing. You know, how, where and somewhere along that spectrum do you find most shops really are when it comes to understanding the importance of testing? I, I, I think they all get it. They all get it. Um, you know, everybody I talk to, they're sharp. You know, this is, they understand business. They understand um, what it's like to get customers. Um, they do understand marketing to a certain extent, and they they understand how to run a business. And, you know, I, I always tell them, I always say, you know what, I it's, if you figured out how to, how to, um, how to fix a car, <laughs> you can figure out what I do. I mean, I don't know how to fix a car. You do not want me under the hood of a car. I, absolutely not. And I said, you know, if you had a hundred hours, you could sit down and you could, you know, you could get passable results from this. But the, you know, the reality is, um, you know, they understand and then they see, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. Um, one of the things that I get a lot of is people will say, oh, Chris, I've talked to a lot of people who do what you do. And, and I say, oh, really? Tell me about that. And then they'll say, well, you know, they do this and this and this. And then I say, oh, okay, well, do they do this? And, and, uh, and then they'll say, well, you know, I don't know, because they were kind of shady about how they, it, <laughs> yeah. it's like a black box. And it's like, we're going to, we, you know, you, you put money in this side of the black box and then applications come out of this side of the black box and they don't tell them. And, and they, a lot of times I get off the phone with a shop owner or a manager and they'll go, wow, you told me everything that you do, you know? And I said, of right. course. And I, there's, there's no secret here. There's no magic here. I'm, you know, I've got a whole team of people that does this. So, you know, we're really good at it because we've been doing it for years, but I, you know, I don't need to have any secrets. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you everything we do. You go ahead and you go out and you do it. That's fine. You know, we, who we work with is we work with the shops that understand, you know what, what we're good at doing is we're good at, at making vehicles safe and reliable. We are good at, um, you know, uh, workflows and processes and developing self-managing teams and growing businesses and expanding and taking on locations and, and doing all these things. We're good at all that. We don't want to be working over here and we don't want to be micromanaging Chris and his team because they know what they're doing and we make it simple for them because they just use us when they need us and then they turn it off. And you know, uh, you know, MSOs that have lots that have an HR department and, you know, lots of different levels of, of, um, you know, bureaucracy and, and employees, they don't need us so much because they have people that can go in and they can monitor these things on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, I've, I've learned by a lot of trial and error that that's just not our market because yeah. they do want to come in and micromanage us. And then they, you know, end up going in and changing Facebook ads because they think that this would work a little bit better. And it's, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. So, you know, that's kind of, um, that's, you know, that's the way that we look at it. But as soon as I explain the process, they get it they get it and they understand why so many people have to see these ads in order to, for them to produce results. And so you mentioned social media as a big opportunity that not so many shops are taking advantage 
of from a recruiting standpoint. Are there are there other uh, things that you would say would be a, a a good way for shops to get the word out to more of their ideal candidates? Yeah, yeah, there are. Um, one of the ways is um, is Craigslist. Believe it or not. So, um, you know, a, a lot of shops tell me, you know, five years ago, um, you know, back further than five years ago, 10 years ago or so, they would place an ad on Friday and and they did get, you know, 15 applications over the weekend and they'd hire somebody by Tuesday. Um, but, you know, those days are gone. Well, one of the things that we I was interested in because I, I interviewed a lot of shop owners and interviewed dozens and dozens of technicians when I started this, because I, I mean, I didn't know the industry at all. Um, you know, I didn't know what aftermarket meant, you know, I didn't know anything. So I had to be a quick study and figure all this out. And one of the things that I figured out was that, um, the ads on Craigslist are just as generic as the ads everywhere else. So that helps. But the other thing that helps is, um, you have to be clever about how you attract people. So if you put information about, um, uh, about, uh, tools in your ad, then it pops up under search. So um, people may not be looking, good Good technicians, experienced technicians may not be on Craigslist looking for jobs, but they are on there looking for used tools. So if you can be clever about the, the, the keywords that you use, you pop up in the searches when they're doing it. So that's one of the things that we've done. And, and I called, I, you know, I jokingly, I have a video on, um, on YouTube about it. I call it make Craigslist great again. And it's just a joke about that and how we, how we go through the process of, of getting applications off of Craigslist. So that's one of the ways that I would say, um, you know, you could, uh, you can have an impact. It's kind of a counterintuitive way that we, um, we solicit some, uh, applications. The other one is, um, postcards. So, we actually, for um, the shops that we work with that do offer a referral, a referral fee, we just uh, we make up a professionally designed postcard for them. We put a UR, um, a QR code on there that links directly to their job page so that they can apply, and then we uh, we say, hey, look, here's how other shops have used this. It's just the size of a postcard. You print out as many as you want on demand, and then you take it, you hand them out in your team meetings. And it's so funny because we had a shop that said, um, he said, Chris, I handed those out of my team meetings and I hired two techs the next week. Wow. And, and he said, this is crazy because people have known we've been looking for a tech for six months and, and nobody gave me a referral until I, they had these in their hands. And I asked him, I said, you knew that we've been looking for a tech for six months. Why didn't you, why are you just now giving me the referral? And they're like, well, you know, I didn't think about it until I had this in my hand. And then, you know, and then I thought, oh yeah, I worked at that, you know, the dealership over there. But um, we have them, they put them on the front counter, they make a game out of it. They say, okay, let's, they tell the service advisors, okay, we want to, you know, I'm going to come back and count this stack and there <laughs> should be five less at the end of the day than, you know, when we started, they put them in cars, do all that kind of thing. So referrals, I mean, we all know referrals are really the best source of new employees. Referrals from good employees, I should say. Yeah. But you can also ask for referrals from outside. And then the third thing I would say is add a mobile number to all of your ads. When we started adding mobile numbers to the ads so that people can start the conversation via text, it increased our response rates by 20% overnight. Wow. Yeah, that, and that's so interesting. Probably not something people would really think about is, is doing that and opening it to text. Almost never. Almost never. And, you know, I get some pushback sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't want to get a text at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And I said, well, first of all, 
that doesn't happen very often. But second of all, just set up, you know, a lot of uh, shops we work with, um, they have a bat phone. Uh, one of our clients calls it the bat phone. They have this, uh, you know, the burner phone sitting on the, the counter. Use that number. Um, you can do voice over IP. You can do, I mean, Google phone, Zoom has a phone, you know, anything that you can use to um, receive text messages. Because sometimes a technician will just want to ask a question. They'll just say, you know, I saw your ad and, you know, you know, do you have epoxy floors? You know, what's your drainage situation like? Do you, you know, is it climate controlled? I mean, they ask all different kinds of questions. And if you can just start that conversation and then pivot the conversation into, hey, what's going on now? You know, why, why did you contact us? Why did you reach out? You know, find out what their pain points are. And then that's how you continue the conversation. Once you know what their pain points are, now you know where to go with the conversation. So I know we've spent a, a bunch of time talking about recruiting tech specifically, but but you all also recruit service advisors and office staff. And, and what are the key points about recruiting those folks that the typical auto repair shop might miss? Um, uh, that is a great one, too. Um, uh, if you're if anybody's familiar, if any of your listeners are familiar with personality testing, I think pretty much everybody is. If you work in HR or you're a business owner, you've seen things like the Myers-Briggs and the Wonderlic test and, and um, the Colby, uh, the DISC, um, all of those types of personality profiles. And you probably already know this, but I'm going to give you another level of depth to it. But Typically, technicians do not have the same personality profile as a service advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true, right? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, there's a reason why typically you don't want your customers talking to your technicians, you know, I mean, and it, it varies in every different situation. I mean, I know technicians that sell their own service. And I mean, you know, that's, there's a, you know, a myriad of different um, uh, organiz organizational structures that are involved. Um, and you run your small business, however you want to run your small business. But what we found is that if you if you design ads towards the personality profile that you're trying to attract, the ads look different. They're interested in different things. You want somebody who is you want the type of person for your service advisor that is that gets on an elevator with somebody on the tenth floor. And by the first floor, when they're all getting out into the lobby, they're best friends, right? You, that's the kind of person you want. And and I've talked to so many shop owners that have told me, you know, into uh, this coffee shop every morning, and this person was just such a bubbly, effervescent, just so good with people and loved people. You could just tell they just love people. And uh, I've had a lot of shop owners tell me this too. They said, you know what? Um, I used to really hire for sales, uh, sales skill and sales experience, but you know what? You, you you can teach scales, sales skills and sales experience and, and how to sell. You can't teach how to love people. You can't teach somebody that. So if you can find somebody that loves people, that's how we write the ads. We want to find out who loves people, who likes talking to people all day long every day. And you know what? If I read one of my ads for a service advisor, I would not apply to that position. <laughs> <laughs> it means you've got it targeted to the right people, right? That's right. That's right. Because you know what? I am just, you know, I've done it and, you know, in the past, you know, when I was a kid and I had jobs and stuff and it is just draining for me. It's like, oh my God, to be on stage for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day. Oh my God. It's just, you know, but to the right person. Wow. You know, and that's what you do. 
you want to start with the avatar. That's a marketing term. And you want to think about who is this person? What are they responsible for? You want somebody that's going to take care of people. It's going to invite them in. You want people, I mean, the best service advisors, and, and I hear this all the time, the best service advisors, people will stop by just to talk with them. You know, and I hear that all the time. It's like, oh, I love my service advisor. People would just stop in just to say hi, you know, hey, where's, you know, what's, what's, uh, you know, what, you know, what's Jane doing, you know, and the, and, and that's what you want. You want people coming back in and you want them to feel comfortable. So, uh, let me circle back around and actually answer your question succinctly. Um, it's really about the personality profile. You want people that really love people and that's what you're looking for. And that's how you write the ad. So you reverse engineer the ad to the personality profile that you're looking for. Last thing I would, I would ask Chris is, uh, we, we talked about culture a little bit earlier and, and how important that is, um, and especially in, in relation to, to text, but obviously it applies to the whole organization. When, when you see shops who are doing a really good job with culture and including everybody as part of a team, are there any specific things that you see or that you recommend to shops that really help drive that home so that no matter which position you are within the shop, you feel a significant part of the team? Yeah, that is um, th the best way to do it is um, go to somebody's Facebook page, go to a shop's uh, Facebook page, business page, and scroll through the pictures. Because I got to tell you, that's what a technician is going to do when they see your ads. That's what a service advisor is going to do when they see their ads. They're going to Google you. They're going to find out they want to know if there are a bunch of negative reviews. That's a you know red flag. Uh, but another thing they're going to do is they're going to look at your Facebook page and you can always tell when a shop really cares about their employees because their Facebook page is full of stuff. They're celebrating birthdays. They are going on rafting trips. They're going bowling. They're posting all of this stuff on there. They are decorating the, um, uh, they're decorating the, uh, the waiting room for holidays. They're doing all that. They have, they have boards, sign in boards of, you know, welcome Mrs. Smith, you know, coming, you know, all the people that are dropping off that day. It's like, welcome Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones and, you know, all of these things. And you can tell right away. So don't tell somebody something when you can show them. That's the big issue. And so that's what you should be using social media for is you should be using social media to show somebody what a day in the life of um, of, uh, of a, an employee looks like. And that's really the most powerful way to use that, uh, that platform and to show people what you're really all about. Just more wonderful guidance there, Chris. And, and I so appreciate you sharing all this info with us on, on the podcast. I would encourage listeners, if, if you're struggling to find the techs you need or service advisors, office staff, I highly encourage you to connect with Technician Find, to connect with Chris. Uh, they certainly provide excellent service, as you could hear throughout here, because obviously they're doing things that are really elevating the industry, which is appreciated and important. And they also have a strong community with a great deal of resources. So um, there's there's lots of resources uh, that you can find uh, on their website, which is technicianfind.com. And, and Chris, I think you had you had mentioned when you and I talked, you had mentioned a few things that were especially on there. I mean, everything on there is helpful. Um, but but if 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 you want to take a you know 
a minute or so and just explain a little bit more of what somebody can find on that, please, please do so. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. We, one of the things that I found early on in this, uh, in this process was the more I could educate shops, the better results they would get. So yeah, we do our job and we're really good at what we do, but there's also another side of this. So um, if, uh, if whoever's responsible for social media and engaging with people on social media is not able to um, they don't understand where to go on Facebook or they don't understand what to say or they don't know how to follow up or design systems to build that deep bench so that they have the names and they retain names and things like that. It, it makes the, the service not work as well. So I have lots of training. So every time something comes up that is uh, that stands in the way of my shops getting or hiring faster, hiring good techs faster is what I always like to say, I shoot a video about it. So if you go to our website, there's actually a link into our community. We have a technician find community. There's lots of videos there. There are short videos that are less than a minute. There are longer videos that explain different strategies. We share everything. You know, you can go on there. I mean, have your have your staff go on there and take a look. So there's lots of good stuff on there about what we find that's working right now that can help you out. Yeah, that and that's that's awesome. Again, be being willing to share. Uh, that and you know your audience videos that are less than a minute right that's important <laughs> yes we just started doing shorts so that's uh i i said i'd never do that but i'm doing it and uh it's it's kind of tough to me for me because i love to talk and explain things so I'm, I'm keeping it concise so you can just watch it really quickly well and and we thank you so much chris for being on the busy bays podcast for sharing your expertise again this was just uh fantastic and i, I know everybody who's listened is as whether they uh, can take notes or they can't because they might be driving. Uh, hopefully they've taken a, a bunch of mental notes because you just delivered a bunch of great information to help them. So thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Martin. This has been a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to the Busy Bays podcast. We hope that you found this discussion helpful. As I mentioned, there was a ton of great information that Chris uh, provided here. So please, I encourage you to think about how you can apply these things to your shop. And please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening to the Busy Bays podcast. If you would like more information about subjects like this, please visit myrsw.com and go to our resource center. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And one more thing, Please share this with your friends and colleagues. Our goal is to help auto repair shops succeed. We can all accomplish that goal by sharing this podcast with as many people as possible. Thanks again.